friend I grew up with in junior high and high school, really dramatic guy, and he was always making a big deal out of small stuff. But that was some years ago, and we don't talk a whole lot anymore. But like some of the friends you have, when we do talk, we kind of pick up where we left off. And so I value his friendship very much. So I was out of the country. I was in Haiti back in October. And I had done all the research beforehand and realized that talking on your mobile phone was not a good idea in Haiti because of the additional charges that would happen. But I did get a certain package where I had so many text messages. And while I was on this trip, I got a very random call from this friend. So it caught my attention. I didn't answer it, but I texted him back and I said, sorry, I can't talk him out of the country. And he said, well, there's, there's something that I really, really need to discuss with you. And I said, can we talk about it over text? And he said, it is so important. I do not want to text about it. So as we were dialoguing with our thumbs, I told him that I would call him as soon as I got back in the country. So the rest of the trip, from time to time, I would think about my friend. I would think about the situation, and I was a little concerned, and, and I put some prayer effort through it and, and thought about this, put some emotional investment in his life. So we flew back to Miami, and I went through customs, and to this friend, he was the second phone call I made, because the first phone call was to Beth. I'm not stupid about that. I called her, checked in, because my heart longed to talk to Beth more than anything in the world. <laughs> but the second call, the second call was this. Second call was to my buddy. And so I'm wondering, what's the deal here? What's the big issue? He proceeds to tell me that a mutual friend of ours, used to be our youth pastor, who pastored in a whole other part of Texas. I was in Miami, my buddy was in Dallas, and this church is in a completely different part of Texas, hundreds of miles from Dallas. He, he proceeds to tell me, there are some issues going on in that church that I feel like you and I need to look into. Now, if I was not on the phone with this guy, if we were face to face, I would have slapped him. I had worried, prayed, was concerned, concerned about his wife, concerned about his child, wondered if it was some kind of situation. And what he was talking about, we were in separate cities in a church neither one of us were members of with a pastor that we haven't been in relationship uh, with in a day-to-day -day, uh, type of type, basis. We had not been in relationship with this pastor for 15 to 20 years. And he totally was so dramatic about this. It, it just wasted emotional energy. It upset me. And if if by chance he's listening to this podcast right now, I still like the guy, but it reminded me of the problem we're going to look at today. Because see, that situation was none of our business. It was some other church, some church fight in another city, and another man's issue. And though we can pray about it, there is no need for us to get involved. Proverbs twenty six seventeen says it this way. Here's a trap for you. Whoever meddles in a quarrel not his own, is like one who takes a passing dog by the ears. I hear a couple of you chuckle, and that is appropriate. The NLT says it this way, who, whoever, whoever, let's go to NLT, the next scripture, interfering in someone else's argument is as foolish 
as yanking a dog's ears. Now, I, I first heard this scripture uh, when I was corrected by a dear old saint who heard some of us young pastors talking about some stuff, and she quoted in the King James Version, let's go back to the ESV, uh, Proverbs 26, 17, and she used the word medleth. I didn't know what that meant. Medleth, whoever medleth in the quarrel. I didn't really know what that meant, but I could imagine what it would be like to yank a dog's ears, and I knew that wasn't good. And this scripture is gonna save you from a trap. It's gonna save you from getting into people's business that you should not get involved in. Now, let's talk about what type of dog this was. See, in the ancient Hebrew world, these were not domesticated dogs. This was not Rover and Fido or whatever you call your dog. We have two dogs, Buster and Bianca, a boy and a girl. And my brother called uh, Bianca Beyonce. (laughs) Beyonce's no dog. I don't know about that. She's she's not at all. (laughs) I want to get back into the anointing right now. But my dog's named Bianca. So these are not domesticated, cute little dogs. These these are wild dogs. Wild dogs that that if you grab by the ear, you got a problem. So think about this word picture. You've got a dog and you grab them by the ears. And here's the situation, you're stuck. Because you've got to hold on to that dog. Because if you let the dog loose, what's going to happen? You're going to get bit. You're going to get bit. The proverb is saying this. If you get involved in someone else's situation, you're taking the risk that you're going to continually be involved in that situation or when you try to get out, it's going to bite you. That is a problem with meddling. So let's talk about the word meddle. The word, that word there in the Greek excuse me, in the Hebrew, wrong language. In the Hebrew, it's talking about getting overly excited. So the person who meddles gets overly excited about a quarrel that's not his or it's not her own. They, they, they get all worked up. Another way the Hebrew word for meddle, and the other word that it correlates with is the word furious, meaning this, is that the person who meddles works themselves up in a fury. Their, their emotions are high. They're all upset about something that they're not responsible for. And I want to tell you this morning, this is a trap for you. This is a trap for you. And part of the issue we deal with is through the media, through talk radio, through cable news, or, or through network news, both news types of news programs who have a responsibility to sell ads and so what they want to do is they want to get you in a fury. They, they want you to meddle in a situation that's not your own. And that's from a macro-cultural standpoint. But from a personal standpoint, that's a battle too. So what do we need? We need the leadership of the Spirit. We need the Holy Spirit to lead us. We, we need to walk with the Spirit closely to understand when we should get involved in a situation and when we should not. Because if we blindly invade people's privacy, get into their business, 
get involved in something that is not part of our authority or jurisdiction, we're going to get stuck or we're going to get bitten. So three filters I'm going to give you that will help you not meddle where you're not supposed to get involved. Here's the first one. It's not my place. It's not my place. You and I need to know our place. We need to know when we have authority and when we don't have authority. We need to know when it's appropriate for us to get involved and when we should defer. And that takes wisdom. Frankly, it takes experience because some of those things in our adolescence, we, we naturally get burned and wisdom will help us not get burned again. And then beyond all that, the Holy Spirit, who is our teacher and is our companion, he wants to teach us and he desires to teach us what our place is. Because when we are out of place and we begin to get nosy and we begin to insert ourselves in a situation that we're out of place, then destruction happens and we get bit or we get stuck. So let's go to Galatians chapter six because there's a really insightful passage that I want us to read together. Then I'll go back and, and we want to see this, this passage in continuance here. And then we'll look at the pieces. Starting in verse two, Galatians chapter six, verse two, it says, bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. And I underline that for emphasis. For if anyone thinks he is something when he is nothing, he deceives himself. But let each one test his own work. And then his reason to boast will be in himself alone and not in his neighbor. And verse five says it this way. For each will have to bear his own load. Now, this, this passage here, verse two and verse five, seems contradictory, but it's truly not. And it's talking about a mutual responsibility we have to know our place, that there are times when we need to get involved in a situation, and there's a time then we need to let other people have individual responsibility. Let's go back to verse two. Verse two says this, bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. What this is talking about specifically is this. The people of Galatia, the church of Galatia, these were people who had gotten involved in legalism. They had started by the Spirit leading them. And now, instead of letting the Spirit lead them, they had added all of these rules and all of these regulations that took people's attention off of Christ. So, in this context, they're saying this, bear one another's burdens, don't let, don't let one another get back into legalism. Don't let your brother or sister slip back into a destructive pattern of behavior. Don't let anything divert your focus off of Christ Jesus. And so there is a responsibility we have as Christians to pull someone back in, to focus them more on Jesus, to redirect their thought process. But the problem is this, we go to verse five and sometimes when we bear one another's burdens, we forget, we forget to bear our own load. That's when we lose our place. Sometimes, sometimes what happens is, is that we get so focused on verse two that we don't take care of ourselves in verse five. So it's both. You look out for each other when it comes to spiritual matters. We look out for each other when it comes to devotion to Christ, to focus on Christ. But 
we still have that sense of individual responsibility. Now, one of the things that we get to do as pastors, which is really good, is we get to go visit hospitals. And that's something that Jesus wants us to do. He said to visit the sick. And so we have a policy here. If you're having a surgery or if you're being hospitalized, we want to come pray with you. Either me or one of our leaders would love to do that with all sincerity. I'm just letting you know. And our philosophy is this. If we know, we go. If we know, we go. If, if someone tells us, we go. Now, a lot of you have discovered, and this is your personal choice, for whatever reason, maybe lack of information or just personal preference, you, you don't let the church know when you have a surgery. And so, because I'm not omniscient and all-knowing, so some of you, you'll be gone for a couple of weeks, and I'll ask you where you've been. You say, well, I had a surgery. I was in the hospital. I didn't know, so I didn't go. You with me? Now, I was once part of a church that had a little di- different philosophy in this. Because there was a lot of stress on the people, like a lot of expectations that the people of this particular church were actually afraid, afraid not to tell the church the medical procedure was happening. So there was a fear, like, it's like they were under the spell that they had to let the church know, even if they didn't want to, even if they preferred it to be private, they had to let the church know if they were having a medical procedure. Subsequently, since I was on staff at this church, I had a certain day I would go to the hospital, had certain times of the year that, that I would be on call to go and, and make a hospital visit. So it was that Beth and I had some small children. We still have children, but they were small at the time. Uh, and, and these kids were sick. Our kids were sick. And we were kind of having this debate. Okay, should, should we take them to the ER or not? You know how that goes. It's like, should we go pay $1,000 of our copay, I mean, not our copay, but our deductible, just to get, get prescribed Tylenol and orange juice. You know, we're trying to debate, should we do this, should we not? And, you know, it's touch and go, we're praying, we're thinking about it, we're looking at the kids. And then I, being on call, get called to another part of the city. And it was by a family who happened just to go to the, the hospital a lot. I don't really know the reason why, uh, but they, they, they seem to, just enjoy going to the hospital a lot. They had a bunch of kids and they must have had a really good insurance because they went to the hospital all the time. And they were under this kind of burden to inform the church. So they, they left a message, but it was not like, please, would you come pray with me? It was like, hey, we're in the hospital again. So we're at such and such hospital. Hope to see you there. It was really that attitude. So I go and leave my bride and my sick children, and I drive to the other side of town, and I check in. These people are just kind of casually, hey, what's going on? They actually said this, oh, you're the one on call. Yeah, I'm the one. Uh, and, and they really didn't want me there, and they really weren't upset. But the system, and I think the system has changed now at this particular church, the system at the time just brought undue stress on both the family and me, the pastor. So I remember thinking on the drive home, and this is going somewhere, I was just thinking, you know, this is kind of ridiculous to visit a family who didn't want me there in a situation where I wasn't needed there, and yet my wife is at home with kids stressed out about the situation. Now, here's what I'm getting at here. I'm getting at this, is that helped me realize my responsibility. Under a different environment, under the environment here, I could send somebody else. That's one thing I want you to know. Back to the hospital thing. Y'all don't worry about me. I'll manage myself. If I need to be with my family, I'll send Pastor Jay. I'll send 
Pastor Matt. I'll send somebody else, but I want to be there for you when I can. But my family's my priority, and I'm able to manage that, okay? I'm able to manage that. But I want you to manage it too, because here's the second filter. Second filter is this. Keep, what will keep you from meddling and getting into someone else's business is this, it's not my priority. Okay, it's not my place, but it's also not my priority. Let's talk about priorities here. When it comes to caring for the world, we are people who believe in evangelism. So we exist to know his love and to share his love. So we reach in and we reach out. When Jesus fed the 5,000, and there were actually more than 5,000 with women and children, when he fed the multitudes on two different occasions, he fed those who both believed he was the Messiah and those who weren't sure yet. He fed both his disciples and his skeptics or his enemies. So here is, here's the truth. We reach all. We bless all. We're called to reach the world. But within that reach is a priority. And while we're talking about emergency rooms, it's not any different than that. If you were to check into an emergency room, everybody there is going to get care. Everybody, if there's 20 people there, everyone's going to get care. But the ER doctors and nurses prioritize the care according to need. In the kingdom of God, we're called to reach all. We're called to reach everybody. We're called to impact everyone. But within that scope, there's a priority. Our family, our church family, the world. The Great Commission, Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, the world. We have a priority within our call. We reach all, but we prioritize who that is. Now, let's look at this again in Galatians 6. Further down, this makes this even more clear. Galatians chapter 6, starting with verse 9. Let us not grow weary of doing good, for in due season we will reap if we do not give up. Look at verse 10 here. It says it this way. So then, as we have opportunity, let us do good to everyone, right? I mean, to the whole world, to all, to everyone, but especially to those who are the household of faith. So there's a priority within the filter. I'm not going to meddle in someone else's business if I'm not taking care of the responsibility God's given me. There's an attitude, there's a spirit, there's a heart. I'm not going to get so involved in trying to fix your marriage that I forget about my marriage. I'm not going to get so involved in trying to help you manage your finances that I quit checking my check account. I, I keep balancing my, stop balancing my checking account. I'm not going to get so involved in your situation to try to help your child that I'm going to abandon my child. See, I did youth ministry for 10 years, and now I do youth ministry with three. I invest in my three kids. That's, that's where my energy is. That's where my time is. I invest in other people's kids, but I didn't have kids. Now that I have kids, that's where my ministry is. We reach all. And by reaching all, we, by prioritizing what God's given us, that helps us to reach all. 1 Thessalonians 5.15 reinforces this very same point when it says it this way. See to it that no one repays anyone evil for evil, but always seek to do good to one another and to everyone. We reach all by prioritizing. We reach all by taking care of business at home. We reach all 
We reach all the teenagers of Sumner County by starting with the teenagers in this church. We reach all the children of Sumner County by starting with the Awana program in our church, and then it spreads throughout. We reach all by priority. And I just want to encourage some of you. Some of you are losing emotional energy, spiritual focus, because you're meddling in someone else's affair, and you're not looking into your own affair. You, you, you have to put limits. You have to say, listen, God has given me a priority, and he's big enough, and he's powerful enough that I can listen to his message to reach the world with the gospel and include everybody at the same time have a priority to take care of the business I have today. I have some beautiful nieces and nephews, three different states, in Texas and Kentucky, here in Tennessee. And I love these kids. And thankfully, they have good parents. These kids have good parents. They have good values. And I'm so proud of their parents. I love being an uncle because if there's a huge issue, if there's a huge issue like my nieces and nephews are going to lose their life by doing something dumb, or they're going to greatly violate a universal moral law found in the Bible, I'll, I'll correct them. But for the most part, I'm not dad, I'm Uncle Aaron. And I'm not going to correct nuances and preferences and things, things that are negotiable or things that are gray or things that are someone else's opinion. And I love that role. I love that with my children, with my children, I have a heavier responsibility. But with my nieces and nephews, I have an important role God's given me, but it's a different role. So I know, I know what my position is. And that's the last filter. What's gonna keep you from meddling knowing what your position? I'm not their mom. I'm not their dad. I'm their uncle. I'm their aunt. I know my position in their life. Now, this is what I want you to see as a believer. We are different. The way we respond to life is not just psychological responses. We are people under the authority of a revealed God. We are the authority of a known God, a God with a particular character, a God with a particular personality, a God with a particular agenda in a good way, a plan to redeem the world. And so it is that this, this rich scripture you're going to see in James chapter 5 says it this way. James chapter 5 verse 9. Do not grumble against one another, brothers, so that you may not be judged. Behold, the judge is standing at the door. Now that word grumble literally means a groan. Like, ah. Oh. Like perhaps if you look at caller ID on your cell phone and it's a call that you don't want to take and you go, oh, or you see an email come across your computer and you're like, oh, no. And, and the scripture's saying, hey, don't grumble. Don't, don't, don't have that ache in your heart towards someone else. Don't do that, brothers. A lot of that happens because we're in judgment over our brothers and sisters. We judge their motives. We judge their hearts. We judge their decisions. But here is what God's saying. He's saying to the scripture, behold, the judge, the judge is standing at the door. What this is clearly saying is that Jesus Christ 
is coming again. God is coming again. God is coming again. And, and the people who first read that believe that God is coming again. And, and let me just give you a quick lesson on eschatology. I've studied the end times. I've studied Revelation. I've studied theories. And this is what I can conclude for you. Jesus is coming back and we need to be ready. There you go. You got the expert analysis of eschatology. Jesus is coming back and we need to be ready. Most of what people interpret in Revelation is conjecture. They're guessing. And it's more entertainment than it is anything else. We don't know. No generation has known what's going to happen or can predict how it's going to happen or we're going to predict it the way it's going to unfold. Even the the greatest theologians in their own minds, if you really listen to their theories on when the return of the Lord is going to come, they don't know because no man knows the day or hour, period, period. We are supposed to live with an expectation of our heart that we're not going to get attached to this world. We're not going to operate in this world system because there is a king that's going to come and it's going to rule righteously with justice and the judge is coming. The judge is coming and he is going to judge the hidden motives of men's hearts. He's going to topple corrupt governments. He's going to shake up systems of the world that have kept people in poverty and injustice and has perpetuated the works of the enemy. The judge is standing at the door. So let's go back to James 5, 9. Here's what it's saying right here. Don't grumble against one another. Don't put James 5, 9 up for me. Don't grumble against one another. Don't grumble because the judge is standing at the door. Christ is going to come back and he is going to set what is wrong and he is going to make it right again. Christ is at the door. The reason you should not meddle in things that are none of your business, it's because God, it's his business. He's the judge, and he is going to set things in order. Hear that with a filter of Galatians 6.2. that says there are, we need to, we need to carry the burden of, of keeping us focused on Christ. Later on in the book of James, it talks about confessing our sins to one another. And so there is alignment. There is a, a time when when it comes to matters of people's devotion to Christ, we have to engage. But when it comes to all the gray matters, all the things Romans 14 talks about, that things that are sins to some Christians are not sins to other. See, in life, there's light and there's darkness. And there's things that are very clear. The Ten Commandments are very clear. Light and darkness. And you can't mix light or darkness. Light always overcomes the darkness. But there is gray, there's black and there's white. And the Holy Spirit, our great teacher, teaches some of us certain things at certain eras of our life and teaches others differently. And we are not to judge one another for that. We're not to meddle. When the scripture is not crystal clear on something, we are led by the spirit. And we are led by the spirit and we should not meddle in other people's business or judge certain, certain choices but we should get involved if someone's devotion to Christ and being led by the Spirit is being corrupted. And that's when we should get involved. Now, there's a a place if you ever want to see the depravity of mankind, you don't have to go far. Because there is something in Gallatin, Tennessee called the General Sessions Court. Now, I've been there several times. 
supporting, supporting uh, parishioners, so to speak. I've been there several times, and I know that th- these are minor violations. They can be anything from a teenager, a teenager not taking care of business to some, some misdemeanor drug charges. And, and no doubt, I no doubt, I don't cast judgment because I know some of you may have gone through this process, but here's the point. The point is there's a large room. There's a large room of both responsible and irresponsible people. There's no doubt there's many, many responsible people that are just having to take care of business there. But this large room, it's like a zoo. It's chaotic. I mean, you go there and, and court's going to come in session and there's disrespectful attitudes and there's people who don't want to be there. And it's, it's, just, it's just chaotic. And, and that is the atmosphere until, until the judge comes in the room. And all of a sudden, someone announces, all rise. Here comes the honorable such and such judge. And silence hits the room, a room bigger than this room. Silence hits the room. Why? Because the judge is there. And when the judge comes, all the chatter stops. James 5, 9 says the judge is coming. The judge is coming. And I believe that when the spirit of Jesus gets involved, the spirit of Jesus gets involved in your situation, when he comes again to this world, all the chatter, he's gonna shut up by his holiness and by his power. And all all of the slander and all of the junk that, that affects us relationally in light of his holiness is going to stop. It's going to stop. And we're going to stand before God in awe because the judge is here. The judge is here. How does this affect you when it comes to meddling? Trust him. Let Jesus get involved in your situation. Let Jesus get involved in your story. Let Jesus get involved in the situation. Pray about things that he makes you aware of. Don't meddle mindlessly, but insert the, the, the judge, the ruler. Ask for him to get involved. Ask for his perspective. Ask for what God wants. And that will change the way you look at your situation. The judge is here. The judge is here. There's no need to meddle. There's no need to take that dog's ears and yank them because you're going to get stuck or you're going to get bit. Instead, instead, trust the Lord. Trust the Lord. Would you pray with me? I want us to pray about this particular message because I, I want you to know the Holy Spirit is your teacher. I'm not your teacher. The Holy Spirit is your teacher and he teaches you through the word and he leads you by his spirit. And some of you today, your eyes have been open. You've looked in the mirror, as James chapter 1 talks about, and you've seen an error in your thinking. You've seen an erroneous attitude. You've seen something you need to, to adjust. And here's a great thing. The Lord doesn't show you an error to keep you helpless. The, sh- the Lord shows you the error of your ways to lead you to repentance, to change your heart, to change your attitude towards the situation. And he is your helper the help of the Lord is here. The help of the Lord will intervene in your situation. The help of the Lord will be there with you. And that's a great thing about our Lord as we sing about him in the Psalms. David's saying, oh Lord, you who do not count our sins as we deserve, you who don't count our sins as we deserve, can I tell you, even if meddling has been part of your life and you realize that, that you have been out of place and you have been out of priority and you've been out of position, 
the Lord wants you to know that it's a new day, that he's going to help you. The help of the Lord is here. And the Lord is going to help you not only get out of the situation that you've meddled in, but to prevent you from meddling in the future. And so right now, as we're, we're in this moment, let's ask the Spirit to speak to us right now. Would you ask the Spirit to speak to you? Would you ask for him to make things known? One of the reasons that I understand this temptation, because the group of people that I think are the worst at this is pastors. And this is a trap for pastors and preachers to meddle in people's business, especially to talk about other ministers and other churches and to not do so with, with prayer and concern, but to do so in judgment or do that in a slanderous way. See, the scripture shows us how much we need God. Oh, don't be prideful, brothers and sisters. Don't put your pride in your church attendance or the fact that you used to be in the ministry or don't put your pride in your Bible reading plan. Humble yourself before the Lord because the scripture is revealing new things to you. It's revealing new ways and the Lord calls you to change. And that's a good thing because the Lord disciplines those he loves. He disciplines those he loves. Lord, we put down our pride and we say, help us, oh God. Help us to apply your word to our lives. Help us to change areas we need to change so that we would be your chosen people separated for the purposes of God. Right there in this moment, he's your teacher. your teacher let us know our place let us know our priority let us know our position oh God show us areas we need to get involved in and show us areas we need to take steps back and you've got to help us get unstuck Lord you've got to protect us from the bite and we trust that you're going to do that so God I pray that this day that Proverbs 26 17 would be impressed upon my friends impressed upon their hearts that Lord we would all be stronger because of what your scripture says we want to be led by your spirit led by your word led by you God help us oh God help us not to meddle but be led by you if you want the Lord to do that just say amen say it again say amen amen we thank you Lord Thank you, Lord. Well, I just want to challenge you. Later on, get your Bible out. And sometimes what I'll do is, is I'll go to Proverbs 26, 17, and I hear a message like this, whether it comes through another preacher or through devotions, and I'll write the date out. February 17th, 2013. Just write that by that proverb because you'll never be the same again. Knowledge is responsibility. You know the scripture. You know this word. You know this thought. You know this word of wisdom. You'll never be the same. And that, the power of his word, the power of the scripture, you are wiser than when you came in here today because his word is awesome and powerful. Is that a good thing? I want us now in an attitude of prayer. We got a few minutes scheduled together. So. This isn't necessarily scoop up your stuff time. That time's coming really, really soon. But can we stand together in a, in a prayerful attitude?
So we've now designed the next few minutes for you and God. For you and God. Sometimes you and God means someone that you're with. So either you and God or us and God. Either way, however the Lord's leading you today. You and God are us and God. Here at the front to your left is a communion table. At the back, the back of the church are two communion tables. I won't give further instruction on that, but if you want to take communion today, take the bread and cup and either eat and drink by yourself or with a friend or with a smaller group. That would be a great thing. We are going to have prayer partners that are already positioning themselves on this back wall. But some of you need to live out Galatians 6 2. That you have come here with a burden. I don't know what the burden is, but you need a prayer partner to help you carry that burden. And our prayer partners are available because we want to be with you. We want to help you carry that burden. We, we, want, we want to pray with you. That's it. That's it. We want to pray with you. Maybe the front of the, these steps you want to use as an altar to spend time with God. But as Beth leads us in worship, we're going to spend time with the Lord. And then I'll come in just a few short minutes and dismiss us. Let's pray. God, now we give our attention to you. We're opening up our week this Sunday morning. First fruits. God, teach us how we're supposed to live this week. Show us how we're supposed to live this week. And Lord, these minutes that we have left, us with you, God, me with you, God, use them to focus our attention on you. In Jesus' name we pray. Our prayer partners are available. The table of the Lord is now open.